From the West Australian, it's Thursday the 7th of December. I'm Ben O'Shea and this is The West Live. The West Live. The West Live with Ben O'Shea. Fun fact, the Australian online gambling sector recorded a turnover of $50 billion in the 21-22 financial year. And here's another fun fact, the country's largest companies are based in the Northern Territory. A licence from the NT allows them to operate nationally under federal law. That means online gambling in Australia is effectively regulated by the six people in Darwin who sit on the Northern Territory Racing Commission. Sportsbet, Bet365 and Ladbrokes all all the big online bookies are based there and they generate millions of dollars in revenue for the NT government. It's a big deal for the economy to have them there and the NT is keen to keep them, giving them tax breaks so their bookmaker tax is a pittance compared to their revenue. Sportsbet, for example, had a gross annual profit of $1.2 billion and paid a capped bookmaker tax of just $1.35 million pretty sweet deal. But is this the best regulatory environment to ensure gambling doesn't become a bigger problem in society than it already is? I wouldn't bet on it. Coming up on today's show, why your Christmas lights could be a beacon to burglars, and we unpack the review into the NDIS. But first, let's see what's making news. The West Live. Making news. And joining me now in the studio is Sunrise correspondent Matt Tinney. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. Happy Friday Eve. Happy Friday Eve to you too. We're getting there. Almost there. Almost there. You can taste the weekend. You can taste it. You can taste it. You can taste it indeed. Uh, And now, the stories about WA's health system are never far from the headlines. Uh, This one, though, is a shocker involving a grandma in her late 70s flown to Perth and then turned away from Fiona Stanley. Yeah, this is a farcical situation. So this sick grandma with a respiratory condition is flown by the Royal Flying Doctor Service from Esperance to Perth, taken to Fiona Stanley Hospital, that's where she was meant to be going, told there's no bed for her, then booked a second Royal Flying Doctor Service flight from Perth to Bunbury to be admitted at Bunbury Hospital. Can you believe that? It, it just seems ridiculous. Her How husband has labelled it disorganised chaos, and I think that that is exactly what's going on here. It, do, it sounds like the left hand just wasn't talking to the right hand. Why was she not just taken yeah. to Bunbury Hospital from Esperance if there was no bed at Fiona Stanley Hospital? Yeah, it seems, it seems bizarre, right? Like the, all bizarre. of the hassle and effort to fly someone up to Perth and then there's not even a bed waiting for yeah. them. Like, like you say, like where's the communication there? And, and she was having difficulty breathing, so much so that doctors were worried about her and decided to transfer her to Fiona Stanley Hospital. So it's not like it was some sort of willy-nilly thing that, you know, she was going to be fine. Like, she had a serious respiratory condition. Yeah, well, at least she made it to Bunbury okay. Like, yeah. if this had had a tragic outcome, geez, the pressure that that would have put on the health system. Um, but they, you know, they escaped that not through good management, good luck more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, and now talking about flights, Vietnam Airlines are going to launch a non-stop service between Perth and Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah, this is exciting. It starts today. So Vietnam Airlines is the national carrier. They're going to be using a 787 Dreamliner, which uh, has 274 seats. This is going to add 85,000 seats and almost 6,000 tonnes of cargo capacity per year between WA and Vietnam. And Vietnam is our 14th largest trading partner, so an important trading partner. Uh, This comes after VietJet, 
launched mm. direct flights between Perth and Ho Chi Minh City last month using an Airbus A321neo. So exciting times, especially if you want to go on holidays in Vietnam. Have you been to it's Vietnam? It's so much easier. Oh, I wanted to go, but do you know what's interesting? Um, I went to Bangkok instead because mm. the flights, even though it wasn't direct, the flights were easier. I went with Scoot to Singapore and yeah. then on to Bangkok there, and there was very little layover in Singapore. And I was wanting to go to Vietnam, but I only had about five nights. So yeah. it wasn't really enough enough time uh, but if there was a direct flight to Ho Chi Minh City back you know then when I went you know in September or thereabouts I, I would have taken it and gone there for you yeah. know done Ho Chi Minh City there. looks looks amazing yeah it looks like a real a really fascinating um city uh with its history and culture uh, a lot of people seem to go to Vietnam and go on like uh bicycling tours oh, yeah. they get on their bikes and, and ride around the thing I love about it and and I haven't been but I, I love that you know you've got so many different places like there's Ho Chi Minh City there's Hanoi Hoi An mm. and this is the this is the thing I wanted to do it all I feel like I need sort of 10 days yeah 10 days I think seems like the right sort of amount of time I, I, I gotta be honest I love Vietnamese food but I've never been that enthusiastic about going to Vietnam I don't know just it's not, have it's you not ever been, been enthusiastic about anything yeah lots of places <laughs> lots of places just Vietnam Japan is Japan them, yeah. always Get, but all I have to say is Japan, and suddenly you have a smile on yeah, your exactly, dial. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but you I, know what? Here's, wanted, here's a my stat parents for you. went; they loved it. They went on everyone one of those I know boat who, tours. Everyone I know who's been to Vietnam has mm. loved it. Yeah. Um, uh, but this is I wasn't aware of. So Vietnam is WA's 14th largest trading partner. We do 2.4 billion dollars in trade um, uh, in this financial year. So I'm just laughing because I did say that did a few that? seconds ago. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> See, unless I'm talking about Japan, okay. you just switch off. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me about tell me about Perth property. <laughs> Perth property is going through the roof. If you own a Perth house, you're sitting on a gold barn basically, because next year prices are going to go up. We're told between five and eight percent. That's according to the Prop Track Property Market Outlook report, which is a mouthful, a mouthful, but it's out this morning, and uh, we are going to go higher than Sydney and Melbourne. So um, we'll record somewhat of a hat trick according to this forecast, because it'll be the third year in a row that we've led the nation in terms of house price growth. Um, very difficult if you're trying to enter the housing market, yeah. but if you already have a home, you're on to a winner. Well, the thing is, well, yes and no, because if you have, um, unless you're planning on living out of your car, you'll still need to find another house to live in, right? That's true. So the gains that you make when you sell, you give them back when you buy. Um, That's but if you buy and sell in the same market. In the same market, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ideal situation would be if you're one of those fortunate people who may be sitting on a couple of investment properties, uh, you'd be looking pretty good right now, oh, I reckon. Plus you've got the rent coming in. Yeah, rent coming Mots in as well. at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there are some people in the moment doing very well in the property market. Yeah. It's hard to know about real estate agents because they're getting a lot of money when they sell houses, but there aren't that many houses available to sell. They're, they're busy. I've got a few friends that are real estate agents and they're so busy. Yeah. I so, bet they're so running busy. around trying to find houses. Well, that's right? exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And the, the thing is that those who are really, really good are doing mm -hmm. really, really well. And then those perhaps that aren't so good. Yeah, they aren't don't getting, have the reputation. They're not been getting doing the stock. For as long. No. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. But I've that. seen, like, a friend yesterday was advertising a property, I think in City Beach it was that's not even finished yet. You know, they're yeah, still building wow. it, saying, this is coming on the market yeah, next yeah. year. You know, register your interest now. I think now. about it. I hear these stories and I think, oh, geez, maybe I'll sell my house. But then it's like... <laughs> 
Where are you, <laughs> where, yeah, where where you, you going to buy? Where are you exactly. going to live? Exactly. That's yeah. where it all falls down. Um, yeah, so maybe not. Uh, but certainly very interesting times in the Perth property market, not so much if you're uh, trying to get into it. All right, if you're going to do sort of some sort of tree change or a sea yeah. change to a place yep. where it's not as expensive, not as expensive and you definitely. sell up in Perth and off you go. Yeah, can I do the show remotely? <laughs> I'll investigate it. Where, would you, where would you like I could to buy do a very it from? cheap house in Japan, you know? Yeah, well, you could. But if it wasn't Japan, if uh, it was regional WA, uh, where look, would you pick? I always like the idea of living in Esperance. Esperance is gorgeous. So, but, do you know Albany? What? I like Albany as well. There's something in the water in Esperance. Every single person I know from Esperance is a banger. Like, they're yeah, just, they, yeah, they make chill, them good down good, there. Good vibes. Yeah. Um, not so good vibes surrounding veteran broadcaster Alan Jones yeah. today. So he has denied allegations that he indecently assaulted young men over his lengthy career in the media. So the former longtime talkback host on Sydney's 2GB radio, who for decades, people might not realise this over here in WA, but over there in Sydney, Alan Jones was the king of yeah. talkback radio. Uh, prime ministers would answer his phone calls uh, and often would call him to make sure they had his support going into an election. So for decades, he was uh, one of, if not the most influential and feared commentator in Australian radio. Um, but now the Sydney Morning Herald has claimed that he used his position of power to prey on a number of young men. He's 82 years old now. He's been accused of exploiting his influence to grope or inappropriately touch young men without their consent. Uh, Jones, through his lawyers, told the Sydney Morning Herald that he denies ever having indecently insulted the persons referred to in the letter and the suggestion that he has is scandalous, grossly offensive and seriously defamatory. It's one that we're all talking about this morning. I think there's a lot more to come on this. What makes it interesting is we've seen, obviously, where women have been the alleged targets of these you know, things uh, in recent years, but not so much where men have been yeah, the alleged right. targets. That's right. Um, and so the Sydney Morning Herald article outlines allegations um, from a former 2GB employee, a former waiter and an aspiring musician. Uh, and this is not a any kind of indication of guilt, uh, but in 1988, Jones was arrested in London and charged with outraging public decency and committing an indecent act over an incident that happened in a public toilet in Soho. Uh, those charges were dropped and his career was never affected by that. Um, and then he obviously uh, went on to just have this incredible career in radio. Mm. Uh, and as I mentioned before, he has denied uh, the allegations, but uh, I guess we're going to have to wait and see what happens next. The other interesting part is why now? Yeah. You know, so he's, he's 82 now. I get the feeling people, people like, you know, maybe think that uh, he's not as powerful as he once yes, was. So, yeah, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's a safer space to come forward. Yeah. Um, but it's, we'll certainly hear more uh, in the days and weeks to come. And Maddie, we'll hear more from you when we come up for the Wild West a bit yeah. later on. Chat soon. The federal government will today release the report of an independent review of the NDIS scheme. Fronting the government's response to the review will be the NDIS Minister Bill Shorten, who will address the press club in Canberra. Joining us now is disability advocate, President of People with Disability Australia, Nicole Lee. Good morning, Nicole. Welcome back to the show. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me on. OK, so what do we know about the findings of this review? Um, well, from the briefing that we just had this morning, it looks like there's going to be a lot of change in regards to um, navigating the system, both within and without the N NDIS. So for people who sit outside of the NDIS will also be supported around um, you know, navigating different service systems and, and the same for those within the NDIS. So that's a bit of a shift from before, um, you know, being supported to you know, find services um, should be offered to everybody, irrespective of whether or not they've got access to the scheme. 
Um, I think some of the really, really big, huge inf information and news that we heard yesterday from the Prime Minister was around the, the, the uh, remit from the states and territories um, about lifting their service delivery of foundational support. So, you know, things like you know, your health, mental health and allied health support for people in the community. You know, that's something that we've been asking the states to do for a long time. And, you know, if the states were actually doing that, we probably wouldn't have an NDIS, to be frank. Um, but, you know, this benefits all people in the community, not just people with disability, not just people who sit outside of the scheme to have a disability, but all members of, the, of society will benefit from, you know, the states being able to deliver more inclusive and comprehensive services, you know, across the board. Mm. And so in your experience, uh, in terms of people who are actually within the scheme and dealing with its bureaucracy and dealing with the way that it works, what do you see as being mm. some of the biggest challenges that the NDIS faces? Well, streamlining the, the planning process, taking away the anxiety and, and the trauma and the stress that we go through every time we go through a plan review. So things like your know, promising of, um, uh, uh, what did they say, around, you know, sort of being offered a longer plan. So if, you know, you've finally worked out a plan that does actually work for you and your needs aren't changing too much, then being able to set that for a longer period of time is, you know, a really positive thing. And a lot of people said in the review, you know, having just 12-month plans was, you know, really anxiety-provoking because you didn't know what the next 12 months was going to bring. Um, you know, that's not going to work for everybody. So as long as something like that being implemented, you know, is being offered to the person with a choice to either accept a longer-term plan because it's meeting their needs or being able to still say, no, no, I want to come in for a review. So that feels like a really positive step forward. That would break down a lot of that anxiety around the planning process that would save a whole lot of administrative um, you know financial cost both from you know us having to pay services to write reports every you know 12 months to two years and the agency then having to sit down with us and go over all of those reports and write a new plan so I see that as a bit of a win as long as there's flexibility alongside that as well. Mm. And when the NDIS is working well for somebody what difference does it make in their life? It makes a huge difference. You're just knowing that you've got the support there to meet your needs on a day-to-day -day basis, that you'll be able to get out of bed, you'll be able to, you know, have clean sheets on your bed, you know, get your washing done, you know, be able to get to work, um, be presentable, you know, be able to engage with the community around you, be a parent to your children, um, to be able to, you know, you know, volunteer if you even want to. You know, it gives us the capacity to, you know, engage with the world around us like everybody else. It's so vital to that part of our lives, you know, being able to access the community just like everybody else can. I mean, that's what the NDIS does for people. This is not luxury. These are not, you know, we're not buying luxury items or getting a free ride. This is giving us access to being full and inclusive members in society to go to school, to go to uni, to work, to volunteer, to even your local craft group if that's what you want to do. Believe me, I've been there as a, you know, when I was a, a young mum. Um, you know, being able to do that kind of stuff and being supported to do that is really, really vital. And I, you know, we don't want to be segregated. We don't want to be shut away in our homes. Um, and not be able to go out. We, you know, we want to be in included in the world around us. So the NDIS gives us access to that, enables us to have autonomy and freedom and independence um, you know, that everybody else sort of you know, takes for granted on a day-to-day -day basis. So it, it's so vital and it's so important this investment continues far into the future. Um, and you know, ultimately, 
you know, leading the way in the world. You know, once we get this right and we work out all the kinks, you know, this is, you know, groundbreaking support that we've never had before in our lives and we don't want to go back to living on the old system. Mm. And so what do you want to hear from NDIS Minister Bill Shorten today when he speaks about this review? Um, well, I just want to, I guess, you know, that continued uh, um, support of, um, and that continued guarantee to work with the disability community, which, you know, to date, this is what I've heard, is, is that, um, you know, Bill has always said that, you know, engaging with the community, consulting with the community and co-designing um, any, any changes with the community is something that they are going to continue to promise to do. So hearing a renewed commitment to that would be really, really welcome today. Um, Albanese sort of said, you know, in conversation with the community was, was a little bit weak, but I'm, I'm confident that, you know, that, that um, is just, you know, one little slip in time and that today we're going to have that renewed ongoing working relationship with the government moving forward coming from Bill today um, that nothing is going to be done without consultation and co-design with the community in the driving seat at every step of the way. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. I hope the government agrees. President of People with Disability Australia, Nicole Lee, thanks again for joining us on The West Live and sharing your insights. Thank you for having me again. You're listening to The West Live. Drive around the suburbs right now and you'll see houses decked out in Christmas lights, getting into the spirit of the festive season. But are those lights a beacon for a burglar? Joining us now is operational security expert and founder of Nepean Regional Security, Gina Field. Good morning, Gina. Welcome to The West Live. Oh, good morning to you too. And so I don't really think about this very much as I'm looking at all the Christmas lights uh, that I'm putting up around the house. I'm just thinking about how great it is uh, to get into the festive spirit. But burglars are not getting into the festive spirit. They've got something else in mind. Well, you know, we all love to put Christmas lights up on our house and there's there's nothing wrong with that. But from, I, so, I, I suppose, a security perspective... When people are putting up their beautiful trees in their houses near the window and, and then they're putting Christmas lights around it and leaving the rest of the lights off on their home, it's actually um, a attracting attention. And then also they're putting um, presents underneath the trees and, again, that's attracting attention to the wrong people. Yeah, right. And so what are crims looking at when they're driving around the suburbs? What will separate one house from another in terms of, OK, that's that's the target that I want to have a crack at tonight? Well, um, the target is basically, you know, looking what looking at what's on show. I mean, also Christmas lights outside the houses have been stolen as well, but they're not as, um, as important. But what people are doing, like I said, is that they're actually putting these beautiful Christmas trees up um, and the bigger the better, some of these families, they're putting trees around, uh, Christmas lights around it, and then they're putting all of the family gifts under the, the trees. But what they're um, also doing is what families aren't realising is that they're actually blocking their alarm sensors up on the wall. So the burglars are looking at how they can actually um, penetrate that without setting the alarms off. Yeah, right. And so what are some of the tricks that they use? Well, from my experience, and I've actually attended uh, break and enters on houses on Christmas Day because of this. Oh, no. So what they do is, yeah, I know, it's, but what they do is they actually tap sometimes a little hole through the window or some, sometimes houses have those windows that have the little squares. 
So they tap the squares out and then they put their hand through and then they open up the window lock, slightly open up the windows, and then they start taking the presents out. And like I said, the trees are actually blocking the what we call the PIRs on the walls and so the alarms aren't activating. Mm. And so what it sounds like is these aren't crimes of opportunity so much. It sounds quite sophisticated. Uh, these are people who do this all the time for a living? Well, yeah, well, I wouldn't say breaking enters is making a, an honest living, but, yeah, they're, they're really quite strategic. And, and the ones that I've actually gone to, I've thought to myself, you know, I wouldn't have even thought of this. So they're, they're sort of masterminding um, this. Uh, as well, you know, um, it's it's really quite superseded from what my expectations are. But that's what, that's what I've found. Yeah, right. And so what can people do then to try to make sure that those Christmas presents are still under the tree when they wake up on Christmas morning? Well, um, I would try and ensure that they're not blocking the alarm system. Um, I would try and wait. This is my opinion and my expertise. I would wait until you put the presents under the tree. Try and put them under, possibly on the Christmas morning. Get up a little bit earlier for the kids and um, don't put boxes. Like some people actually put, um, you know, scenes in the windows where they actually put empty boxes. Again, it's like almost having a handbag in a vehicle. Uh, the handbag could be empty, but the, the you know, the bad people don't know that, so mm. they're going to smash a window to get to that. So just be a little bit mindful of, of how it's appearing outside. Also try and have motion sensors, lights on the outside, so the motion sensors lights go on and, um, de you know, possibly deter the bad people. Yeah, and you see with the Christmas lights, because they can attract a lot of people uh, to properties, they, people are walking around the neighbourhood with their kids, which is a lovely thing, but do you think there's occasionally an element there of people who are, are using it as an opportunity to case houses? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And some of the people that, you know, over the many years, I mean, I've been doing security 35 years now, and over the many years that have been arrested for these break-and-enters and steals um, have actually visited the house prior to breaking in. And, and that was an opportunity to actually go to the houses because of the Christmas lights. Mm, yeah, it's certainly a worrying thing and we just want to make sure everybody stays safe and uh, mm. that their Christmas is fantastic. So be alert, not alarmed. I think that's the message. Uh, and mm -hmm. maybe have an alarm. There you go. There's an idea for you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Gina Great Field, idea. operational security expert and founder of Nepean Regional Security. Thanks for joining us and sharing this warning on The West Live. Thank you so much and Merry Christmas to you as well. The Wild West. And joining me back in the studio is Sunrise correspondent Matt Tinney. G'day, mate. Mate, I love the Wild West. Oh, well, you'll love it today. Yes, well, Taylor Swift topped Matt Tinney's Spotify yes. raps. Uh, and, and, that is, and many other people. And, look, and, and, and some might say that was her greatest achievement of 2023, <laughs> but she does seem to have been able to top it, and she has just been named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Uh, so Time Magazine has put out a number of commemorative covers yes. uh, with Taylor Swift. They all look fantastic. Which one's your favourite one? 
Oh, you know, I kind of like the one where she's in the jacket, sort of looking off to the side. Oh, yeah. Like I do like natural. the one with her cat, though, as yeah, well. Yeah. When she's she did post about it, she said, you know, when you get the call that you're time person of the year and you have to do a shoot, and you're like, can I bring my cat? Yeah, that's when you know. That's when you <laughs> you've know made you've got it. the power. Yeah. Um, but but she has shaken off a number of controversies and a lot of criticism to get to this stage in her career, and she's given this rare interview with Time magazine for the cover story. It's yeah, fascinating. It's a, it's a br- I was reading it after yeah, it's midnight. Fascinating last night. stuff, right? Um, you know who wrote? You know who wrote it? Who wrote it? The guy who wrote Britney's book. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but you know, she beat out a number of uh, finalists for Person of the Year, including King Charles III and Barbie. I'm glad she beat Barbie. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this interview is it's fascinating. Deserved. She's taken over the world this year. And so here are some of the quotes that she gave in this interview. Mm. I've been raised up and down the flagpole of public opinion so many times in the last 20 years. I've been given a tiara, then had it taken away. It feels like the breakthrough moment of my career happening at 33 and for the first time in my life I was mentally tough enough to take what comes with that um, and she the one of the fascinating things though is she goes into a lot of detail about that incident with Kanye West mm. and, and his song and the secret recording that then Kim and Kardashian yeah. leaked we've got a little bit of that to remind people let's take a listen okay now what if later in the song I was also to have said uh, I made her famous is that a is is it, Yes, it might have happened. <laughs> oh, God. Well, what am I going to do about it? See, she doesn't sound she particularly doesn't thrilled it, about it. She said, what am I going to do about it? Yeah, that's it? right. Um, the allegation from Taylor Swift is that Kim Kardashian edited that's that right. phone conversation and that it was an illegal recording. Yeah, that's right. And and then they released the whole 25-minute mm. audio, which Swifties felt exonerated, Taylor Swift. And so she said she said that she felt like she was getting cancelled um, and uh, and she has gone on to really talk about how she felt it was a career death when that happened. Uh, she said, you have a fully manufactured frame job in an illegally recorded phone call, which Kim Kardashian edited and then put out to say to everyone that I was a liar. Mm. That took me down psychologically to a place I've never been before. I moved to a foreign country. I didn't I didn't leave a rental house for a year. I was afraid to get on phone calls. I pushed away most people in my life because I didn't trust anyone anymore. Yeah. Pretty horrible. Do hey? you know what else I, I loved that was just sort of the mic drop moment in that uh, interview was when she said, and it was after this was detailed, when she said the trash takes out itself. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Such a killer quote. Exactly. And then, and you'll love this, she's also gone into a lot of detail for the first time about her relationship with uh, Kansas City tight end mm. Travis Kelsey uh, and had admitted that it all started when Travis very adorably put me on blast on his podcast. Uh, we started hanging out right after that. So we actually had a significant amount of time that no one knew that we were together, which I'm grateful for because we got to get to know each other. By the time I went to that first game, we were already a couple. Yes, uh, and, that's and she said right? people who thought that was our first date, you yeah. know, that would be crazy. Yeah. We would never be psychotic enough <laughs> to go. hard launch a first date. <laughs> hard launch, I love it, I love it. <laughs> and, so, and then she said, uh, when you say a relationship is public, that means I'm going to see him do what he loves. Uh, we're showing up for each other. Um, we're just proud of each other. I, I loved that. Isn't that sweet? Also, I loved how she went into how she prepared for the Eras Tour, yeah. that oh, she trained for six months before running on the treadmill and seeing the entire yeah. s- playlist while running on yeah, the treadmill. Bonkers, right? Well, yeah. it's a three-hour show that it's is huge. high energy the whole huge. time. Uh, and I think, you know, I think anybody who doesn't understand why Taylor Swift is as popular as she is and how she got there, I think read this Time magazine yeah, article you'll s- and you'll get a real insight into her mindset, yeah. her psychology uh, and her drive to succeed. 
succeed uh, and also why so many people love her. Yeah, I mean, and she is a master when it comes to marketing herself. Yep. Release, she oh, releases yeah. songs from the vault, things that were never on well, albums and yep. recorded. And she talks about but, all that Scooter Braun stuff as well. Exactly. But the, I think the reason she is so popular, um, and her fans allude to this in that piece, is that even though you're listening to a song that talks about her authentic experience, it feels like it can apply to anybody's yep. life. Just yep. the themes of love and heartbreak. And I think that's why she's so successful. Yep. And that's today's episode of Taylor Swift Live. <laughs> Sorry, I mean The West Live. We'll be back tomorrow from 7am. And don't forget to subscribe to The West Live wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you then, Maddie. Have a great one, mate. You've been listening to The West Live with Ben O'Shea. If the story behind the story matters to you, then you can count on thewest.com.au to deliver.